Hey, welcome everyone to Radiant 17. Happy Wednesday. It's been a long time since you've heard from me. Been a little busy, but been seeking the Lord. And I know we're in a special, special time. It's the High Holy Times. Feast of Tabernacle. We're right about, uh, I think, about the fourth or fifth day. Or maybe even a little bit closer. But I know it ends this Friday at sundown, the Feast of Tabernacle. And it's the last High Holy Time of of the season. And so it's been just a great opportunity just to seek and lean in. And I tell you, these feast times that were created in the Old Testament, they are for us today. They point to Jesus, who we are uh, allowed to be able to celebrate these uh, these feasts because of him. They point to him. They speak of him. They declare him of him. When you think of the Feast of Tabernacles, you think of, you know, the Israel is reminded of how they dwelled in tents, how they were in the midst of a wilderness season and they dwelt in tents. And even the fact that the spirit of God himself was in a tabernacle and it was just a sign of what, of what was to come that he would tabernacle with us. So it was a celebration. This feast is a celebrating of God's faithfulness, of God's goodness, of God's just mercy. And when you look at even when they messed up and they made the Lord angry and not, and they chose to not believe God or partner with him in, in believing that the, the promised land was theirs, he still took care of them. He still loved them. Can you imagine wandering in the wilderness 40 years? They didn't have to, but their clothes never wore out. Their shoes never wore out. He continued to provide for them. He continued to look after them, even after that generation that had doubted and just didn't believe and, and just was walking in so much unbelief, uh, died and went on to be with him. The children now are ready to go in and he has kept them. He has kept his promise. He is faithful. And God is a God that wants to keep his promises. He intends to keep them. He desire, He not only desires to keep them, even when we're not faithful, he is faithful to us. And I just want to tell you that, you know, even though you may do this or, or that, God is always going to be who he is because the Bible says he changes not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He is faithful. All that he does is who he is. I just want to give that to you. All that God does, that's who he is. We need to understand that the things that he does, provision, that's who he is. Deliver, that's who he is. Salvation is who he is. Peace is who he is. Our banner is who he is. The one who sanctifies is who he is. You know, whatever we need, that cloud that was over them by day that covers them, that's, that was him. That's who he is. He shields and covers his people. That fire by night that led them. You know, he is a lamp unto their feet and a light unto their path. And so that's just who he is. He does what he does. And it's, and it's a beautiful picture of just the God that we serve. And just want to encourage you with that as we are in this high holy time. It's a time of celebrating God's goodness, his, his, just his love for his people. And he's always rooting for us. He's always pushing for us. And so today, as we are just in this thought today, I was thinking of three things and three things were placed upon my heart. 
And I really feel that it's um, that the scripture, it's not by might nor by power, but by his spirit, saith the Lord, is going to be more pertinent to the people of God more than ever. We've heard that say in uh, times of old, you know, not by might nor by power, but by his spirit. You know, you hear a, a mighty man of God anointed preaching and, and he comes in and says that and you just get all stirred up. But I believe the people of God are really going to know and understand what it is to move and breathe in partnership with the Holy Spirit and no longer trying to serve God from your flesh. So we're going to look at three stories and I believe these three stories are going to be telltale about what we as believers today are looking forward or, or, or what we can, how we can gauge. And the Bible talks about the Old Testament is for our learning, is for our instruction. We're to learn from their examples. We're to learn for what they did and how God responded and what he was doing. And it's so beautiful because you see our own humanity in them. You see yourself in them. When you read it, you're like, man, that's just how I would respond. You know, that's what I was thinking. And so it's not to look at the Bible and say, oh, man, what's wrong with them? Uh, they, they, they should have had it together. If you were them, you would have operated the same way. Matter of fact, and sometimes in your life, you've operated that way. So we can never judge or feel like we got it better because we have the whole canon of scripture we still make mistakes. So I'm just, just throwing that out there. We don't want to judge. We want to learn because it's about us standing on what was done and continue to step into what God has in store for all of us. And the Bible says in Hebrews that what those mighty men and women of God had done of old, what they have done has not been apart from us, but it's a part of us. And that's why we're going to reap in places that we have not sown we're going to reap because, or we can pick up where they left off. There's mantles to be gotten and walk and walked in and really see some fruit happen for the kingdom of God. So this first person that we're going to look at is David and David, little boy, David. And I love the story of David because David is in the, 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 the meadow. He's out with the sheep. He's out tending sheep, taking care of his father's sheep and He's got some victories. He's learned some things. He's acquired a skill set. He's learned how to trust God and minister unto the Lord and to the point where he's able to beat a bear and, and beat a lion. And so he's got some victories here. But we're looking at David as he is inserted into this part of the story where now this champion, this Philistine champion is opposing him, standing up before them and 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 calling them all kind of names and just, you know, just blaspheming the most high God in front of them. And here comes David. He's just coming to bring some food to his brothers and to see what was going on. And he hears about, he hears this, this, this uncircumcised Philistine, as the Bible would call him, you know, spitting profanity, speaking against not only God, but his people in such a way. And David was grieved in his spirit. He was grieved like, who is this guy? Who, who does he think he is? How can he dare speak? And so he hears a story, uh, hears uh, that if anybody is willing to challenge this guy and win, they would win the hand of uh, King Saul's daughter. You know, and David, I don't believe, was just doing it for the simple fact that he would win um, his daughter's, uh, the daughter's heart or win the daughter in uh, what was given. But that David was willing to take a stand because he loved God. 
He loved the things of God. And some of you can relate to that. There are a lot of things that are happening in this day and age that is grieving our spirits. And we're just wanting to take a stand. We're wanting to take a stand and say, no, we're, we're not going to stand for that. And so I believe there's God is in us taking a stand as a body of Christ is saying, or even as individuals saying that we're not going to stand for that. But then God will give us a way to handle that, a blueprint, how to handle it. It's, got, it's not going to be not by mind nor by power, but by the spirit of God. And so here is David. He approaches King Saul and he's telling him, you know, I'll go out there and I'll fight. And, you know, Saul is like, you know, tall. We say we say Saul's about six, three, six, four. You know, he looks at little boy David. David's probably about five, seven. And he's looking at him. He's like, now, how is this little dude going to fight this nine foot plus champion that uh, it is, is is big, as wide as he is tall? Uh, you sure you want to do that? And David's, you know, talking a good one. He's talking a good game. Why can he talk a good game? Because David is confident in who he is and what God has done. I'm going to tell you something. I can't tell you other people's stories, but I can be confident about what God has done for me. I know who God is for me. And I believe that's so key. It, he, you have to know him to be the God of you. Not just the God of Elijah, not just the God of mama, you know, and grandpa and, you know, and pastor. You need to know him as the God of you, because when you know him as your God, that means there are personal victories that you have stood for, that you have believed for. And God has come through and you have developed a skill set that he's given you that you that you trust in. Your confidence is not in just the skill set, but your confidence is in the one who developed that skill set in you. And so David speaks well. He says, yeah, man, I've, I fought a bear, you know, and beat him. And I fought a lion when the lion tried to come and take the sheep and I beat him too. And this guy here will go down just like, just like the bear and the lion did. And I think King Saul is looking at him like, yeah, there goes another one. You know, <laughs> he's got, he's got visions of grand du jour. You know, he, he, okay, well, fine. Well, here's the interesting thing. Then Saul says, here, give him my armor. And I believe this is a right now word for us as, as believers, as we're going to find out that what was or what used to doesn't work to now. Doesn't work to now. Doesn't work now. And, and the reason why, because God is a progressive God. He's always doing a new thing. You can, that's why you can never predict what God is going to do in any given situation. And I believe this story here is a telltale of God just breaking us away from the cookie cutter way to do things. We are so formula driven. You know, we look in scripture and we look for formulas and it's not about a formula trying to do it. It's about partnering with the spirit of God. And so here is David. Saul says, well, here, I want you to try my armor. So he's trying a sword. He's trying the shield and he's putting on hat and he's realizing this stuff doesn't fit him. What does that say? What may fit or work for you may not work for the next guy. But you can still share your testimony of how God used that. And I think what we can gather is that God was faithful in taking what you were good at, what he had given you and how you were able to use it to utilize, to execute and give you victory. So God here is speaking to you as people in David's story is that God is going to utilize. And so those that are up and coming, there are some of you that have been in that that space where you've been developing in the quiet area where no one is seeing your victories or the things that you have done in God. It's just been in this kind of like hidden uh, uh, stage or hidden space. And so now 
you have an opportunity and you didn't know this was going to happen, but you step out. And now you have an opportunity to be in the forefront now and to showcase what God has done and to use the skill set that you've been given. And so here you've been handed something. Oh, that's just like a lot of what's out there saying here. You got to do it my way because we've done it for 50 years this way, you know, or we have a method or we have this way. And I believe God in this season is doing away with all that because none of that gives him glory. It may have given him, and what I mean by that is that what you did may have given him glory then, but he is a progressing God. And so what you have done is you have put God in the box and say, he only can move like this. And five stones and a slingshot ain't going to do it. So you're not willing to entertain that God can do a new thing or God can skin a cat in a different way. There's an old saying that says there's many ways to skin a cat. God is not limited. You cannot exhaust the ways that God can do a thing. But at the moment we define God to what we think because of what we've been able to use, then we will miss God moving and breathing on something that's totally him. And so David realized he could not use that. He was like, no, nah, I cannot use that at all. This does not fit me. Can you imagine putting on your brother's basketball, big giant shoes and wearing his jersey, you know, wearing his shorts and none of that stuff fit. Or for you that play soccer, you the, the, the cleats that you're wearing don't fit. The jersey you're wearing is don't fit. It's like none of this fits for me. I, I, I honor you and I appreciate what God has done for you. But at the end of the day, what I can take away from your story is that he was faithful with you and what you what he had given you to do. But he's going to be faithful to me, too. And so David says, I can't use it. So he takes it off. And David says, I'm going to go out here. And I know Saul looked at him like, oh, man, he I don't know about him. He might not make it. Now, some others will say, well, you know, well, you won't be successful unless you you do it the way I want to do it. Or they'll tell you, you know what? You're not submitted. You're not submitting to me because I know best. Really be careful with that because you've done it for years and you feel, you know, best God is not speaking to anybody else. Be careful. Jesus didn't die. And I'll say this. Jesus did not die so that people can hear through a third party. He died that he would have a relationship with everyone in the body of Christ. I'm going to say that again. Jesus did not die so that he can always speak to you through a third party. That was not the plan. The plan was that he would have an, a, a, a communion. He would have a relationship, a face-to-face -face relationship because of what he did on the cross. So he can speak to David and give David something brand new. And so David took what the Lord gave him and what? Went out there and told him, grab five stones and a slingshot. And he put that stone in and looked at him and told him, this day, you're going to go down just like the bear and the lion. Because I know who I am. I know who I belong to and I know who is with me. And this here is not going to be done by my might nor by my power, but it's going to be done by the spirit of the Lord, because that's who you have offended today. And when David stretched back that slingshot and shot it and hit that giant and knocked him down, he knocked him down by the power of God's spirit. I want to encourage you just in that right there, that there are things that he has given you and developed in you in that hidden season. And now that you're going to be pushed out in the forefront 
it's there's a challenge there it's going to be a temptation to to compromise and to succumb and, and do it the way others have done and that's saying that you value what they've done over what God has done for you but i tell you here today what God is giving you what you stand for is is valid and that your voice is valid and your skill set is valid so i want to encourage you to run with that you're not dishonoring those before it's you're honoring them because you're standing on what they have done and you have developed a personal relationship and God is giving you something and you're running. And so this victory isn't a victory for your generation. It's for the multi-generations, for all those that have come, because that particular thing that stood up against David was standing up against everybody who is called by God's name. And so I just want to encourage you in that. So we move on to the next story. I believe that's the first thing that people of God are going to experience. The second thing, I believe when you think about the story of the wall of Jericho, here is a people that have experienced great thing. God moving, I mean, greatly moving quickly, moving fast. And then now Moses dies and now they're being led by his successor, Joshua, whose name means salvation. Who has the authority to take the land? And I believe the people of God are going to take the land in such a way. There's such a mantle that is laid upon the people of God in this season to take the land, to take territory back. And we don't worry about the backlash because it's, again, the greater is you. The greater is in you. You are not just a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. And the grace of God abounds greatly on your behalf. The Bible says, there's a promise in the Bible that says, as your day is, so shall your strength be. The Bible also says in Romans, where sin abound, grace do much more abound. Well, let me tell you, anything that would oppose or stand against the people of God, God's grace is going to abound that much more on your behalf to see that that which God wants to be done to get done. And so I encourage you, as we look at this next story, we look at now they're, they're coming to this city. And they've sent out spies and the spies met the, uh, the lady Rahab and she looked after him and covered for them and, you know, promised that they would look after her. And they brought, you know, the information back to Joshua. And then now Joshua's sitting there thinking, you know, now how can I take this city? Now, in his human mind, we can we can think of a lot of ways Well, we can build a battering ram. Oh, well, maybe we can do this. Maybe we can get the archers to light their uh, uh, flames of fire and shoot the fiery uh, darts over the wall and maybe set them ablaze and force them out. He was thinking of many ways, but then all of a sudden he began to seek God. And the Bible says he was met by the captain of the host. And, and, and the captain of the host then began to reveal God's blueprint. People of God, as you are moving forward in this season, you need a blueprint from God. You need the spirit of God to give you the blueprint of what you need to do, how you're going to do, because God and God intends for you to be successful. We are meant to be prolific. We're meant to bear fruit if we abide and stay in him, John 15. So as he is engaging the captain of the host, this is in Joshua, Joshua then now is receiving the blueprints. And then here's the blueprints. I want you to march around the city of Jericho one time for six days each day. And you're like, so you want me to march and I want you to get the ark and I want everybody to go around this, this ark and, and not say nothing. Just be quiet. Now to some of us, that makes no sense at all. We like, what or did you hear from God? Right. Is that the way God tell you to do it? And I'm going to tell you, God is going to tell some of you in this season, 
things or ways to do things and you're going to have to surrender and be willing to trust what he's asking you to do. Because some people will say, no, that's not how God does it. Because again, I know how God does. No, you don't. No one knows how God does anything. The Bible says this, his ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. But as we are receiving the blueprints, he's going to bring us up to speed so that we know how he thinks. So we know how he's moving and breathing in this situation so we can chart with him. He wants us to chart with him. But to approach a situation like you got it figured out, you do not have it figured out and you'll fail. You'll crash and burn when he purposed in his heart for you to what? To succeed. And so at this moment, Joshua has a, 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 an opportunity to go with what he knows and what he's seen Moses do. Or, and, 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 and here's the thing. It's not to say that Moses didn't follow God because he did. He did follow God. He followed everything the Lord says. But when I say follow what Moses did, I mean, do what, what your predecessors have done. What was successful for them? Look at one of those things that they did and say, I'm going to use that for this. This will work here. And God is saying, no, that won't work here because I'm not doing that. I did that then. This is something different now. I hope you understand that. And so he begins to now say, OK, I'm going to surrender and partner with the spirit. So he tells him to do that. Walk around the city one time each day for six days. And on the seventh day, I want you to walk around. I want you to walk around seven times, have the ark and, and the trumpeters and everybody blow. And then on the seventh time, I want you guys to blow a, a loud blast from the trumpet. And I want you to shout with a great shout. Now, you guys are thinking and looking at four, you ever see fortified cities or just thick, thick, giant walls. And you say, how is my shout going to break down those walls? I don't I don't get that because it don't make sense. You can't we humanly can't wrap our heads around that. <laughs> but again, not by might, nor by power, but by the spirit of God is this thing going to be done. So he obliges. He tells them what they're going to do. And then I know that there were some people murmuring, complaining because you can't tell me that um, that everybody's on board. And that's with everything. There's always going to people that are not going to be on board. But they'll go, oh, we'll just do it anyway. But I don't agree. It's okay. You just keep going. You keep doing what God will do because God wants to show them that he can. That he was just as faithful with, with the previous generation. He'll be now. Because why? The God is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. He's not going to change who he is. He is faithful. So if he tells you he's going to do something, he is definitely going to do something. So they did it for seven days. And I, and I believe what you can get out of the story of, of, of Joshua is that you have to trust the process, the way God wants to do it. Because in a lot of times when Moses did things, there were a lot of things that just happened quickly. There were things that happened instantly. We live in a generation right now in this time and season where things happen quickly. We get our coffees fast. Can you imagine God telling you to march around something? And some of you would say, man, my latte come faster than that, you know? Uh, or shoot, I can get a burger and the drive through quicker than that. I mean, God, you want me to do that? You, you're, you're the God, you're great. But let me tell you something. If he takes you through the process, God is always redeeming. God is always doing, dropping gold nuggets. There's so many delightful things that happen as you walk in the process. There's so many things you're going to learn about you and about him and the process. And if you trust him, you're going to be victorious. 
And so what happened? They began to do what God did. And on the seventh day, they did everything. And then they blew those horns. Now, I know some of them were thinking, man, I pray, Lord, please help us. I pray as I blow this horn, I please, please let the walls come down. I believe Joshua. And then you got to think, this is like two, three million people out there. Joshua's leading these people. Can you imagine Joshua thinking, I know I heard from God, right? I know I'm supposed to do this. If these walls don't come down, these people are going to stone me. But nevertheless, I guarantee you, when you put your trust in God, he will not cause you to fail. He will not allow you to look ashamed or look stupid. That's not the, the plan of the Lord. The plan of the Lord says, I'm here to, I'm here, my plan for you is good and I'm here to prosper you and give you a hope in the future. That's what Jeremiah 29, 11 says. That's the character of God. And I believe when you get into the word and get into the scripture and read about how God moved and breathed with these people, you'll learn his character. And it's good to know and make a mental note of his character so that when he asks you something, you'll know God is always going to be in character. He's always going to respond in character. He's never going to do something that is not his character at all. I want you to know that and understand that. And so when they did it, the walls fell. Now, here's the beauty of it. Had Joshua did it his way, he wouldn't have saved Rahab. Rahab would have been destroyed and all that. And Rahab was one of the four Gentile women that were in the line that produced Jesus. So there's something special. God is always doing something. And when we choose to do things his way, there's something that's going to be beneficial for everybody, even generations to come. And so when he did that, they learned trusting the process, trusting to do it his way, because it's either your way or Yahweh. And so I love that. I love to say that it's either your way or Yahweh. That's because it's what it really is. It's either our way or Yahweh. And if we do it Yahweh, we're always going to be prolific. So for those who are in this season that God is going to ask you to do things that are just unconventional or just do things that may cause you to walk this out just a little bit. If you trust him and trust the process and trust that God is going to be faithful to who he says he is and what he does. You're not going to come up short. You're going to you're going to stand. You're going to you're going to be vibrant. You're going to shine because he wants to shine. He wants to matter. He wants to show the world how good he is. He wants to let us know that we, he can be trusted. Our last people we're going to look at today is the rubber bell. Some of you in this pandemic, in this season of just the last what we'll say six, seven months that we have been dealing with just uh the losing jobs or getting jobs back or jobs being on hold or you're working for a company, you can't get materials. And I, I, I tile set, I set tile. And a lot of times when we're setting tiles, some of our jobs were held up due to not being able to get materials or because things are being delayed or, or even jobs just coming to a screeching halt. And you're just like, man, Lord, what are we going to do now in the story of the rubber bell? There were mountains of opposition against Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the governor who was uh, who was sent back with Ezra and Nehemiah to rebuild not only the wall, but also to the city of Jerusalem that was just burnt to the ground. And so they were rebuilding it again and they were experiencing opposition from all the opposing people that were upset with the king allowing them to go and build this city again. They didn't want to see Jerusalem again because they know that if Jerusalem gets up again, God's going to breathe upon them and and God's hand will be upon them and, and Israel will be, you know, something to reckon with. And so 
I believe in this season, we have seen that where we as the people of God have been shut down, shut in houses, told to wear masks and told to endure some things. And even to the place of telling us we can't even worship together. And so there are things that we have started that seem to have been on halt. You know, that seems to be on pause or man, am I going to finish this? Or even this dream, dreams of doing something this year. When we started this year, a lot of you guys had a lot of dreams and, and, and expectations and thoughts about what you were going to do. Or even God told you you were going to do these things. And all of a sudden this happened and you think like what has happened has st- stayed your hand or maybe God, maybe I miss it and I didn't hear God writing. And, and then here we got the government who seemed like they were forced are now against us are telling us we can't worship. We can't pray together. We can't do this. And, and if we do, we're going to be persecuted or, or just stuff like that. We are enduring it. And this is what Zerubbabel in the, in the fourth chapter of, uh, Zechariah. And, uh, this story takes place in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah. So if you want to go back and read it, you can, but that story takes place and it looks the same. They were up against mountains of opposition on every side. And it looked like what Zerubbabel, the governor, was trying to do with Nehemiah and Ezra was not going to happen. And then in the fourth chapter, the Lord says to him, he gives him a word through the prophet Zechariah. And he tells old Zerubbabel, he said, he said, the foundation that you laid. That which you have laid, you're going to finish. Let me tell you, some of you that have started something, have begun something or been dreaming about stuff. That which has been started in you, birthed in you, you're going to finish. You're not only going to lay the foundation, but you're going to see what needed to be built is going to be built. And he tells him, he says, oh, mountain, who are you standing against Zerubbabel, my servant? I will level you like the plain and he will walk across you shouting grace, grace, grace. The grace of God will abound so greatly on the, on the behalf of the believer. If we will just stand in faith and believe, I love the scripture in Mark 11 says, have faith. And I remember one time just believing God for work. This is years ago. And I remember the Lord said, turn to my word. And I opened right to the scripture that was highlighted. And it said, have faith. And I knew, I said, okay, all right, Lord, I'm going to have faith. I'm going to believe you. And I believe, and right that next day, that mountain of not having a job was removed out of the way. And a job, not only a job, but a great job was provided. I'm going to tell you, when we choose to have faith in God, your faith releases the spirit of God to move on your behalf. That's how it works. And so in this here, he tells him this thing here, Zerubbabel, I want you to understand this thing here is not going to be done by your might, nor by your power that you possess, but by the spirit of God, saith the Lord. And I'm telling you here, you're going to complete that which you started, the dreams that you've been thinking about. It's going to happen. Those things that you thought that were not going to happen, things are going to open up for the people of God. But it's not by anything you're going to do. It's not by any any power that you possess or any connections you think you have. It's going to be done by the spirit of the Lord. And you say, what do you mean by that? Means by you seeking first the kingdom and its righteousness. And God says, and all those things will be added unto you. In other words, learning to get out of the flesh and engage the one who has all power. The one who is a spirit, you must worship him in spirit and in truth and, and say, God, I put my trust in you. Show me what to do so I can partner with the spirit, because as we partner with Holy Spirit. 
we're going to see the Spirit of God move on our behalf. But it is our faith in God that releases it. So I tell you, like Mark 11, 22 says, have faith in him. And that scripture speaks of if you have enough faith, this faith this small, you'll see that mountain be removed. And that's what happened. That's what Zerubbabel was up against. Faith that would move the mountains, that would move the mountains of opposition that have been standing against us. And so we today in this moment can partner with the Holy Spirit and receive the blueprints of how to do things. And we can see through faith, the spirit of God move on our behalf because it's your faith in God that releases the spirit of God to move on your behalf and give you the victory you need. So I just want to encourage you as you look at these three stories, each story, the victory was won by the spirit of God. David's story, the story of Jericho and even Zerubbabel, trusting and learning that your skill set is valuable, that God is calling for an unconventional way to do things. The cookie cutter way is gone, but that even in the story of Jericho, trusting up the process or trusting that guess, God is so powerful, he could have knocked the walls down that way. But that if he's asking you to do something that's just so out of the box and so out of out of the ordinary, trust him that he knows what he's doing. And when you look at Zerubbabel, God manifests himself as the mountain mover. He moved mountains. He moved mountains of opposition that was against the work of God. You and your personal life have so many things that God is going to do and he's still going to do. And we as the body of Christ have so much to do and God's going to do it through us. But it's not going to be by might nor by the power or strength that you possess, but by the spirit of God that lives and breathes in us. And it is through faith that that spirit of God is released. And if you just have a little bit of faith, the spirit of God will move because he does not despise a day of small things. He knows that if you see by your seed of faith, God move, your, that seed of faith can grow to be something really big that others will feed off in and lodge in and enjoy. So I just encourage you, I speak over you right now, just ask that you would be encouraged, that you would dare to believe, you would dare to just step out in faith. You have nothing to lose. The moment you choose to believe God, the spirit of God will move on your behalf and be released to move. And the spirit of God is the same spirit that hovered over the waters and spoke things into existence. It is the same spirit of God that was with Moses that blew open the Red Sea. It's the same spirit of God that rushed in on the day of Pentecost and, and they spoke with other tongues. It's the fire of God. The, the, the spirit of God is the breath of God, is the life-giving force, is the creative force that moves and breathes in the believer. And if we just believe, we'll see God do some amazing things. Love you guys. Bless you. Look forward to hearing from you. Um, Radiant 17, Radiant Prayer House 17 at gmail.com is my email. Or some of you that know me, you can text me. Love you. Bless you. Talk to you soon. Happy Feast of Tabernacles.